the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, Texas. Joe Linehan is somewhere. I, I cannot follow where you are. So where are you, Joe? I'm in North Texas still. Oh, and well, big news. Hey, you know what? Like, uh, I don't even know if you know this because uh, neither Joe nor I actually listen to this podcast because it's embarrassing. But um, uh, at the end of the last one or uh, in print um, on the podcast page, I put a link to your house. So I, I think... Any um, you know positive news out of the sale of your house really could be attributed to this podcast, don't you think? No, I no. don't. But that's okay. Right. <laughs> I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yes, we are selling our house in North Texas. I am moving to San Antonio. Um, but uh, yeah, we put the house up on the market officially, I guess, on Thursday. And Thursday. Thursday without pictures, and then Friday with pictures. We already had offers on Friday and Saturday, so. We're in contract with a, a buyer now. So, and you were worried. I really wasn't worried, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's the the state of the market is really just stunning, especially given all of the stuff that's going on. So uh, amazing. Um, well, I'm obviously very pleased for you. Like, it sounds yeah. like you're getting what you want, and uh, and the timeline workings works out pretty well, and all of that stuff. I'm and I'm. I'm just I'm just worried of the inspection and the appraisal phase. That's all, because it can still there's yeah there's still the gaps along the way. Yeah, it it's a that's always a fun process to figure out what are the things in your house that are kind of screwed up at least according to what an inspector sees and then and then I don't know in your experience but mine was just like a haggle with my wife. It's like. Do you want to just pay for this or do you want to tell them to go shine? They can figure it out themselves or whatever. It's, yeah, so that stuff's fun. Some, it's not it. the stuff that I – I mean, there's it's it's an older house. It was built in, in 1985, but so there's going to be something wrong, but it's going to be of stuff course. that I have no idea about. That's, of course. Yeah, that scares me. So It's fun actually in certain ways because if you think about it from the other side, you have an inspector who's going in and he's finding all the stuff that's uh, – you know, Good job. Yeah, exactly. And most of it, when you go back to it, I'm like, ah, it's not that big a deal. And just you, you, you just have to write it down. So, exactly. yeah, good times. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, and then, uh, well, so when are you going to San Antonio? Um, we're probably gonna be moving here in late June, early July. Oh, okay. All right. I, I just keep had this thought that you were going like now, like next week or something like that. But yeah, no. you've asked me this for like the last kind of six or seven weeks, but no. It just goes to show you that I don't listen to you. So there you go. I mean, that's how, why this podcast is the number one podcast in Texas water polo. So, um, all right. Well, that's really good. Um, uh, speaking of moving, um, I wanted to cover uh, a topic that's uh, of interest. In fact, I got, a, again, another nice email from somebody who said that, uh, well, you know, we're moving to Texas from California, or at least thinking about it. Um, and uh, it was very nice, but it was also sort of indicative of what we usually get. I don't know if you get the same kind of thing, but I, I get these emails or uh, voicemail messages that say, we're thinking about moving to Texas. Which high school should we go to? <laughs> so, And, and um, I'm laughing because... Um, it just seems that, well, there's a couple things we should educate people a little bit about what it's like to come here, not just for water polo, but maybe even a little bit more, but you know, the state is huge. And so I, I get these emails that say we're coming to Texas. I'm like, well, where are you going to El Paso or, you know, where are you going? I mean, the odds are they're going to some, uh, one of the met metropolitan areas. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that the, the situation, especially with high schools is, is completely fluid. So um, I have the perspective of somebody who came here from somewhere else and had to learn all this stuff, and you have the perspective of somebody who lived here basically your whole life. Um, so for me, what I would suggest to those who are coming to the state, and maybe even in particular from California, since that's where I came from, was um, first you got to know where you're going to go. Um, one person wrote to say, uh, we don't want to go anywhere south of Waco because of the humidity. I'm like, well, you're not, you're, <laughs> see, that's there's the re there's the reaction of a, a of a of a native Texan. It's like, well, it's not as though Sherman is is just the you know the mountains of Santa Fe, New Mexico, or something like that. It's um, you know it's humid all over the place. So um, well, DFW, it, it snows and it's and it's humid. It's hot in July and August. So it's hot everywhere in Texas in July and August. So, yeah, I've been getting some of the same calls and emails and such. And and these are very nice people. And, you know, and thank you for listening to the podcast, people. But, yeah, like, totally. you know, it's it's one of those, you know, you have to have an idea about do you want to move to North Texas? Do you want to move to Houston? Do you want to move to San Antonio? 
or Austin. And then, you know, it just it and playing just high school water polo, that's a piece of the water polo puzzle, right? Yeah. And and the whole water polo the overall water polo piece is a small piece to your bigger puzzle of it life. It really is. Cetera, right. So so you know it's but as far as high school, yes, like, you know, kind of high school is a much more important piece now especially with the fall UIL kind of happening in 2021. Yeah. But, um, but it's going to be, um, you know, I always ask, so kind of what I've done is I've asked these people, all right, how, like kind of how old your kid, mm-hmm. how long have they been playing? Do they play club water polo? And then are they in ODP just to get an idea about what level their athletes at? Right. You know, so if their athlete is used to playing 30 high school games and they're used to playing club the other nine months a year, you know, you know, that kind of, and they play like 200 games in club. Well, you know what? That's going to be, um, there's a certain kind of a narrow group of schools and areas that they can go to. Right. That's and, it. um, but you which know, are, which are what, like, what, what would you say? Where? I mean, try not to offend anybody out no, there, but, no, but there's a there's a there's a few pockets in North Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple pockets in Houston for right now. Yeah, those are probably the best areas for to play high level high school water polo and to have the year round club as well. That's so, the th- yeah, that's the thing I take away from these conversations most of all is that, and it it often will lead with which high school should we consider, and. Again, having grown up in California, I think I understand what they mean. It's like, well, you know, Newport Harbor, you should move there. That's because they have an insane tradition of excellence, you know, or something like that. And here, there's clearly teams. We're, we're doing best of Texas for crying out loud. So we're 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 talking about programs that have had success over over decades. But it's more fluid than that. And there are just fewer teams, like a lot fewer teams. Plus. Traditionally, the water polo high school water polo season in the state of Texas has been between eight and nine weeks long. So it is, like you said, exactly right. It's a small part of your um, water polo experience. And so maybe you should look for a club more than you should for a high school. I'm not entirely certain, but uh, that's what comes to mind. Well, I almost think even in Southern California, okay, okay, uh, where's the club? Where's right. the best club to go to? And yep. my kid wants to make the Olympic exactly. team. So, so I'm not just going to go to a club that just started last year. I'm going to go to a club that's maybe a little bit more solidified in their development. And then after that, you might kind of look for the high school. And right. I mean, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's just if you are looking to come to Texas, which is great. Um, I do believe that water polo is going to come back everywhere. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, don't just move just yeah, kind of just for waterfall. So I mean, I th- take yeah. a bigger uh, kind of take a bigger uh, kind of picture approach. So I want to. I have two things to say about that. One is the um, that the again that the high school experience is actually maybe lower than you think it is. Um, let me back up a little bit. Like I appreciate those who come to the state of Texas because they love they love the state of Texas. Like I think. There are some, and I don't. It's not necessarily the water polo community that I've heard from, but others, you know, that are associated with my wife's work or whatever. And like, oh, we're moving to Austin, and why? Because we like lower taxes. That's awesome. And it, it's basically like living in the Bay Area, except it's in Texas. I'm like, okay, you, I think you're coming for the wrong reasons. So that's my opinion. But you know, you guys do what you want to do. Um, yeah, but the, but the high school situation is just different because because it is it's so fluid. And the UIL decision is just huge. It's gigantic. I mean, it, it we don't even know what the repercussions are. So there might be double the number of high schools that offer water polo, but that's just not been the case up to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions, and you know, great, come yeah, just kind of come to Texas. You can buy a house for a third of the price, and th- yeah, in three times as big from California, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what Justin Tudwell said, right? So, and uh, I mean, it's I mean, there's a lot of very good things about Texas. Yeah, so please come, and like you know, like the economy is going to be strong here. I don't think there was a huge dip in the economy back in the late 2000s. Um, I think Texas is a very yeah, kind of a resilient state. Of course, you know, we're kind of based on oil. So that's another, that's a different podcast, but um, it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, just, you know, the opportunities are going to get bigger and better for water polo here. It just, we probably need a little bit more information as yeah. opposed to what is the best high school. 
Right. Um, and just to sort of, I guess, uh, provide a synopsis, it's basically North Texas again, um, and that's basically Dallas and North and now Fort Worth, I suppose, that you, we can include them. Um, Austin, San Antonio, which is considered a corridor, and Houston. And uh, those are the places that the sport is at its strongest, let's say. Um, but not to say that it won't grow elsewhere, but uh, the geography matters. So, you know, I'm assuming that a lot of people are contacting me, contacting you, might have re remote jobs. In fact, I know somebody for a fact is coming to move to Pflugerville close to me, which I'm excited about. But uh, um, and this person can work from home. Great. So but then you have to still determine, like, which one of these major areas are you going to go to? Exactly. Exactly. Listen to listen to Joe. He already bailed on North Texas to go to. San I'm not bailing on North Texas. There's actually North Texas is is very very strong with lots of good clubs and lots of good a people. Lot. So yeah, do not do not put me in that hole there, please. <laughs> okay. Um, um. Of course, my preference is that you move to Round Rock and join uh, this club called Aquatex. But um, we can talk about that another time. All right. Speaking of whom, so let's go over the. There are some new teams that are hopping back into practice, which is very very good news, at least as far as we're concerned. Um, the ones who have already started are my club Aquatex. Um, we talked about Pegasus. Um, Sigma, which if you have any updates about them, that'd be great. I, I don't really know what's going on, but they're a brand new club. It's not a brand new club. It's a brand new water polo program up in Fort Worth area. Um, Triumph down in Houston and Southside down in Houston. Those are ones who have already begun to work out, but there are some more, right? Yeah. So I believe Zilla started a couple of weeks ago with some in-person dry land sessions. Um, they also started getting in, in, in the water at a lake where they had their um, beach water polo tournament last okay. August. Cool. Yeah. And um, there is a, there is a caveat like in the USA water polo insurance that said no open bodies of water. Huh. But because they already had that on their insurance previously, because they had used it previously as a practice location. Right. And a competition location, they can use that as a current practice location and be insured. Cool. And uh, was it um and then I believe they're starting back at their city pool here this like this current week, and then Storm is starting uh, this week. I I talked to Coach Edwin last week, so I'm excited about that up like up at the Woodlands. They're starting, and um, who was the other club that we talked about? Aqua Swift. You know, Aqua and you Swift, tell people yeah. about that. So Aqua Swift is the Bernie Sea Bears are turning into Aqua Swift. So Aqua Swift is the is the year round swim team in Bernie. And so they're going to be combining. So the Bernie Sea Bears, who used to split time with Aqua Swift, um, are going to be kind of starting their own water polo arm of of Aqua Swift. And I believe the Bernie Sea Bears are just going to be folded right back into them. And I believe they have a camp next, like the next two Sundays. So so the 21st and 20th of June. So okay. it's going to be exciting. The the camps are for all ages, or and I think this is how they're trying to get things underway, right? It's just a couple yeah. of camps before they start like some practice schedule. Yeah, I think they're going to be doing some camps here in June and in July, and then I think their aim is to get a full fledged club going here in August. Okay, I have a feeling I know who might be at those practices, Joe. There's a lot of people, so uh, I think you might be helping out. All right, um, and so th this segues into um, next week. Um, well. No coaches to coaches or town hall this week, right? Because Correct. you're so darn busy. Um, but when do they come back? Uh, they'll be starting. The next town hall is going to be on Tuesday, June 23rd at 6.30 p.m. And the next coaches to coaches is going to be Thursday, June 25th at 12.30 p.m. And I will get an announcement out to everybody later this week. Okay. Do you want to tease what we're going to talk about in these town halls? So the next couple of town hall meetings, we're probably going to have a return to play, invite uh, invite some different coaches that are already practicing about the do's and don'ts and kind of what works and, yeah, and kind of what doesn't work. Just have a panelist or a bunch of panelists uh, kind of talking about that. We're probably going to do a diversity and inclusion town hall meeting as well. So um, and that'll be just uh, and just get some different people just to talking about like, you know, obviously we have a lot of different uh, things going on in our country. Um, and I think we can talk a little bit about that specifically in the in the water polo world here in Texas. So and both of those next week. Right. No, not both of those next week. Those oh. are in the next those are in the next couple of weeks. Oh, so. I think that's a very good so, idea. Those, those are the next two town hall meetings. So I was going to say, man, you're uh, you're burning the candle at both ends. Um 
And then and, also you'll have more information on who's doing the coaches to coaches as well. Yeah, we're still working on that. So Yeah, no problem. All right. Um, that's it for the first segment. We'll come back and talk a little bit about uh, Best of Texas again and uh, a little bit more. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com slash donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. James and Joe back with you. We just uh, covered a couple topics like what it would take for you to move to Texas, our advice. Um, but now, uh, and you might learn a little bit about this for those who are coming to the state from our Best of Texas tournament. This is the second one, obviously, that's a program based. Um, we just opened voting for the second round. So we're going to keep it open. Not, you know, tomorrow. Usually we would do we would close it today on a Tuesday, but we're going to do it uh, a week following so that we have plenty of time to vote. But we are in the uh, we're basically in the final four. Yeah. So that so the voting is going to be open for the semifinals through Tuesday, uh, June 23rd at 12 p.m. There you go. Um, and just a reminder, here's the matchups. Uh, uh, I actually have some preliminary results, but I'm not going to share them yet. So the first uh, the girls final four includes Baytown Sterling versus Clear Lake. And then Marshall versus Clark, the uh, all San Antonio uh, matchup. And then the boys' final four matchups are Clear Lake versus Baytown Sterling and St. Mark's versus Clark. Um, and once again, these are programs. This is over a long period of time, not just a particular team from one particular year. So, yes, I know that um, James was a little slow getting this out. But um, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, playing. I'm, a, like, I'm lightning fast. But I know that he's going to. So get out there and. Get the people, get your people, and get voting. Uh, again, this is a this is a whole program. It's not just one year; it's a whole program. So, get as many people voting as possible. And I know James is going to put it out there on, you know, on on Twitter and uh, and Facebook and such. So yeah, lovely social media through, stuff through, through all the social media. So it's so it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to seeing a lot of people vote for these semifinal matchups. So. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to give away results, but let me just make give you a little hint um for those of you who are interested in either the baytown sterling or clear lake girls you might want to vote uh that that would be <laughs> that would be important so i'll just leave it at that so we'll leave it for next week okay what do you uh, so what he's saying it's about 50 50 right now so it's very close so get uh, out there and vote people. I, I don't really want to give specifics but you know i think you're heading the right direction and that's and that's the and that's the most current kind of a like the closest kind of a matchup right now yes i would say that that is quite, we're not saying that the other matchups are not important but that's just the no, closest one not at so. all and, and but well and also we've had experience in the past with these two teams have you know generated a lot of interest online like hey you know one those things from a, a club or a high school or whatever that says hey get out and vote right now you know these are the teams that are uh, that are being voted on so yeah i, I suspect we're going to get the same thing so baytown sterling fans I'll bet Allie's at the lead of that, don't you? Like I'm gonna, oh, I gotta contact her, Allie Hill, and then uh, Clear Lake, Clear Lake and Baytown Sterling girls in particular. Okay. Um, speaking of Best of Texas, you had a long conversation with the legendary George Block last week. We're gonna share the second half of that interview uh, after, right after this, really. Um, but it was a curious long conversation. First of all, because I mean, this is a man who was really key to your entry into aquatics overall so what was it like to interview somebody like that oh it was great it was great going down uh memory lane it had been about 15 20 years since he and i had caught up um he retired back in the mid 2000s i mean he's never gonna fully retire but um he's like he's he's still active in a lot of nonprofits. um he's still active in the aquatics community um it was great i mean we we had an hour conversation kind of even before the the interview oh, so. okay um, and, um, he's still, you know, 
we both hope that the pools are opening here soon. And um, but it was just great to hear. I mean, there were things that I learned on yeah. like kind of during that conversation. I wasn't quite sure about the years that he had actually tra- transitioned from Alma Heights to uh, Northside. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and he brought some names kind of from the past that I hadn't heard for for many, many years. Um, but, you know, we talked about, you know, the reasons that, you know, the reasons behind, you know, the rise of water polo in, yeah, in San Antonio and how water polo was instrumental in the rise of aquatics in general in oh, San okay. Antonio and, and kind of, and kind of why he thought that. Um, and then we also talked about, you know, like, like kind of like, why did, so why did Houston rise up there at the end of the eighties and throughout the nineties? Um, and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a fascinating because he's, he had his fingers in all, all sorts of things. And he was, a, I called him the godfather of aquatics in, yeah, in San Antonio for a reason. Fair enough, he, yeah. I mean, kind of be like, you know, we wouldn't have water polo in San Antonio if, if it wasn't for him, I would not have played water polo if it, if it wasn't for him. Right. Kind of, kind of starting it and kind of, yeah, and, yeah, and kind of bringing good coaches into the fold. So it's, you know, it was great. So, last week on podcast it so we had the first half and this week we're gonna have the second half so you know and we we talked about how um and and you discussed it with him as well about how what happened basically that's my question i was like what happened because uh, san antonio was so strong and then in, in water polo and then sort of fell so i know you addressed a little bit of that as well which is really good because uh, it's good to have somebody who is on the ground obviously a, a extraordinarily key component of that process um yeah so and then and then that leads into a, an interesting thing that we just brought up today between ourselves which is he is a member of the texas swimming hall of fame and I yes, did. so so he's a member and he's also on the board of directors. And we talked about this last week, yeah, both prior and during the, like, the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, the Texas Swimming and Diving Hall of Fame is located at the UT Swim Center in Austin, Texas, and um, it's on the second level. Um, I'm I'm sure if like if somebody's been there for a, a water polo tournament or a swim meet, they have they have seen it uh, in one wing of it, mm-hmm. um, and. There are water polo people that are nominated, and there's and nominations can be accepted throughout the year. Um, I believe it's prior to February 1st each year. Yeah. Um, and um, there's a whole nomination process, but we talked about how there was a need for more nominations on the water polo side. Right. So, anybody that's yeah that's listening, please email to to so what's the email address, James? In, Joe, come on, man. Info. At, no, actually, use this one. It's pod at txwaterpolo.com. Pod, P-O-D. Exactly. So please email us any ideas as, uh, as far as possible nominations. Please go to the Texas Swimming and Diving kind of Hall of Fame to kind of see who's already in. We do have some people that are already in, but a lot of the people are are uh, are swimming and uh, they have swimming and water polo in their background. Sure. You know, but probably within the last 10, 10 to 15 years, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of primary water polo people that probably could be nominated or even before that people that have been kind of have kind of not kind of made it through the cracks and such you know great yeah kind of great players that went off and played at the university level kind of from the 70s and yeah and the 80s so there's a ton of really high quality people please let us know we have been talking about the history of water polo so let's get the word out and let's get some more water polo people nominated Totally. This is something I, I didn't even know about. I'm I'm familiar with the Hall of Fame, especially since uh, you know Jill Sturkel is part of my program. Uh, she has a kid who plays for me, and she's helped actually coach. By the way, a lot of people don't know this. Jill Sturkel, several-time gold medalist, Olympic swimmer, was yeah. a member of the 1986 women's national uh, water polo team. Like that's yep. how talented she is. So people didn't even know that. Um, so um, she is, I think, the chair or at least the organizer for this. And uh, I, I'm gonna bugger about this because you are exactly right it's like i'm looking at the bio of dennis fosdick right now so he may be considered among the top five most famous i suppose texan water polo figures but he was also the head coach for the swim team at a&m right so um it's not that we don't want that combination, but there are people who deserve to be considered solely for their accomplishments in water polo, not necessarily for swimming. Correct. Yeah. And there's a ton of people out there. And so we, as opposed, so we're, we're making a call, please email us 
and uh, let us know your thoughts. And we're going to try to put a list together and get it to the Texas Swimming and Diving Hall of Fame at some point moving forward. Yeah, go to that site. It's uh, tsdhof.org. And just see who, uh, it, you know, the members, those who have been nominated. And uh, and I'll bet you anything for those who have been in the state for some time, you'll go through the list and you'll think, hey, why isn't X part of this? And that's who we're looking for is the people who have made an impact on you, on your community and so on. Um, and, and for the majority of the time in water polo. So that's what we're looking for. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. When we come back, the second half of Joe's conversation with San Antonio legend George Block. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo Podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. great San Antonio teams. So what did they have that was better besides demographics that was better than like the Houston teams? I know they could swim and I know that they had the fall season. They had the spring season. There was an age group program. So, I mean, I mean you had built we, that up. We I mean, did all and, that. We had, you know, the, the sort of the real fall season and a little short spring season. We would always bring in, we'd always do a clinic every year. You remember the Fiesta water polo clinics that we all did? course um you know so we, we brought in a good california coach to keep us current so that we wouldn't get stagnant just with ourselves which i think would be really easy to do in that environment um we had really good good coaches um either from really good polo coaching backgrounds like uh you know like kurt swanson you know the and hopefully his homes team that was undefeated would be one of the all-time teams that was they were they were in the best of Texas in the top 16. So I think they, you know, I think the closest game they had all season was 10 or 11 points. Um, you know, Don Boyd came in with a lot of coaching experience. Um, you know, we had a guy at Marshall named Mike Phelps who had played high school in California at a pretty high level and then swam at Indiana. Um, you know, Debbie Starr played college at A&M. Um, so, we had a we had a lot of experience, a lot of good coaches, and that created just a lot. Of, having everybody in one pool is sort of a disadvantage. The advantage is it makes it almost like a university academic department. There's so much sharing of ideas, and yeah. um, we, we had a guy from Michigan named Tom Topolsky who was just a freaking genius, and especially a genius at coaching girls, and he came up with some uh, sort of you know, the ways that train girls to shoot so they wouldn't shoot like a girl and um, some exercises. Can't say that anymore, coach. Can't say that. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just did. So <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. But he had all sorts of, of great ways that just developed some really good women shooters. Um, and you know, he was just brilliant. And the girls really responded to that. Um, and so... I think a lot of a lot of the magic was just having all those really good coaches in one room watching what each other was doing and sharing ideas. Yeah, and that's and that's and and as we know, you know, sometimes coaches get a little bit too protective of their stuff and yeah. they don't want to share. And that and I remember, you know, uh, Clark is yeah. I went to Clark, so Clark is practicing and the Marshall is practicing. The coaches are talking and they're sharing different things. But then we played a play to try to go to state the next weekend, you know? So exactly. um, I, I do remember. And you mentioned Debbie star. I remember Debbie star was my age group coach in sixth grade, <laughs> my age group coach in, yeah, in sixth grade. And, but I, but I do remember that, you know, I don't know if it was going into my eighth grade year, but that the age group team was stopped. Well, there's nobody to play after a while. Um, and at first Heights kept their age group team going when Paul Bergen was the head coach, head women's coach at UT, he was also in charge of Longhorn Aquatics. And so the Texas women played polo, plus all the Longhorn Aquatics played polo. And that was a huge club. And so, you know, they could, they could put 20 teams in the water. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we could bring up four teams and Heights would bring up two. It didn't take too many programs and you could have a pretty quality age group tournament. You're going to play a lot of people. But um, I can't remember under which coach Heights dropped and then once Bergen left, um, just sort of petered out at, at Long. When the, when the coaches who worked for Bergen were all gone, water polo left. Um, and so there's just nobody left to play other than play inter-squad. Well, you'd be, good, you'd be happy to know we had a tournament this past uh, January it's called the Dare to Dream over MLK weekend. It, it was in Houston. We had 25 teams, all 12 and under. And with like, I think it was like 12, 13 different clubs. So, um, and that was up from about nine or 10 in like the previous year. So we're hoping to get that to be like 30 or four or 40 teams here soon. So yeah. again, just kind of grow the base, right? Just grow the base and get as many that's kids playing as possible. And, uh, but then, I mean, also during high school, I think that, you know, we used to have like the fall season and then also the spring season, but then, you know, I know that they shifted the, like the high school swimming, then the spring kind of high school season kind of went away a little bit. I don't really know how the spring – I think when they were trying to sort of force the fall season, um, then it, the spring went away. When the UIL shifted the seasons, that really caused a lot of the, the sort of a, a mess and, you know, the, not enough time for a fall season, not enough teams wanted to play in the spring. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, and so what we're talking about is the high school swimming state used to be the middle of March. Then it got moved up to yeah. the middle of February. First week of March and now it's second week of February. So, so it got moved earlier. up quite a bit earlier. So, and then that also then kind of moved up a lot of club swimming from that might've started in early May to mid May to the, like the beginning of April and stuff like that for long course season, stuff like that. So um, it just kind of shifted a lot of things. And that was one of the primary reasons if we fast, if we fast forward back into late two thousands, kind of moving yeah, yeah, the spring and then the rise of, of the number of teams kind of throughout the state. So. Are you familiar with the Florida seasons way Florida does it? Um, yeah. I mean, Florida, I, um, off the top of my head, they, I, they have changed a little bit, but I believe that they play high school water polo in the spring. Right. So. And what, what they do is they start, high school swimming first day of school or even a little bit they, they start whenever football and volleyball does of course yep. and they have their championship right around the second weekend in december and then they play water polo then from sort of the day after christmas until the first weekend of spring break and then after spring break the water polo club kids go to their water polo the swimming club kids go to their swimming and everybody's doing their summer thing yep and I think that's a really good way to do it. It creates meaningful seasons for everything and still allows time for everything. And I think if we're going to be really successful in the long term, we, we need to not only think about adding water polo, but creating new season structures. Oh, really? It, yep. It's really hard in anything that you do in life to just add stuff, add, you also have to subtract something. <laughs> you have to create room for the new thing that you're adding. You have to adjust and adapt and such like that. So yeah, yeah. you, you know, every addition requires a subtraction. Just otherwise your life becomes too out of control. And so uh, I think one of the things that in terms of implementing, how do you make high school water polo real? How do you make it really succeed? How do we do this? especially given now that there are so many combined facilities like Northside's, you know, Houston sells a lot of single high school pools, but you know, Dallas, I-35 corridor, um, San Antonio, it's all central facilities. I think we should be really looking at a version of that Florida type schedule. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, as I'm, as I'm sure you're aware that the UIL did this past October of 2019, October 21st at 9:35 a.m. They okay. uh, they uh, they officially sanctioned and and I know the day and time because that was a very long process, and I'm sure that you even were involved in that process way back in the day too. So, this and the process uh, was going back on in the 70s. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, and it started stop, and we finally we finally figured out the rules of the game and started to play the game the way that 
UIL wanted us to play the game. And it was the first sport that was added in 20 years. Um, the UIL decided to move the official season to the fall. It's going to start August 1, along yeah. with volleyball and football. Any thoughts on as far as the challenges, the possible, like, you know, kind of success stories of the fall 2021 season? Um, you know, fall is sort of all, to me, has been the traditional season. Yep. Um, that's what I grew up with as a kid doing it myself. That's what I grew up with as a coach. Uh, that's what I implemented when I came to Northside. So I'm, I'm really just comfortable with that. The downside for the fall is it is extremely discriminatory against inner city teams. Yeah. Because the new kids, new freshmen are literally learning how to swim at the same time they're learning how to play water polo. And so at best, if they stick with it, because that's a pretty negative experience, their first year is their second year. Yep. And so the most they'll get is three years of experience in, in high school yep. um, compared to, to four. And I almost think especially now, if we're not being sensitized and sensitive to stuff that's structurally discriminatory, um, we're really neglecting our jobs and our leadership role. Diversity and inclusion. That is, yeah. that is on, that is on the forefront. And I, and I and think that is a reason that the, we should, as another reason we should consider the Florida season is that if kids start out with a swimming season, the inner city teams have a season to teach the kids how to swim and give them a little bit of endurance and then they can jump into water polo that they're not hanging on lane lines and hanging on the side of the pool and all that stuff. Um, that you're giving the urban schools a chance. And um, I think that's really important. And I think it's something we should be thinking about um, and sandpapering our consciences to make sure we're doing more than lip service. No, no, and this is and this is this is part of us, kind of, quote unquote, getting ready for fall twenty twenty one. Is the education aspect? It's it uh, it's preparing coaches, it's preparing programs, it's preparing athletic directors for this. That's that yeah, that's going to happen because this is a quantum leap. This is the first quote unquote sport that's been added by the UIL. So a lot of people weren't around the last time, like you know, like the wrestling was added and such. Now things yeah. have been added as far as, you know, different levels for, you know, kind of football or, you know, yeah. cheer or mariachi, but um, there's going to be some challenges. There's even going to be a little overlap with high school swimming. Yeah. So, a lot of um, <laughs> so after a couple of years, it's going to be, you know, conversations are going to be able to be had as far as, all right, so do we need to shift this? Do we need to shift that to make it, because I kind of see it. I mean, I've always been a believer because I grew up in the, uh, in the system that we were talking about yeah. kind of earlier. I believe that, you know, they like both swimming and water polo can coexist. And not, not only can they coexist, they can make each other flourish. And they can thrive. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and there have been, I mean, obviously now with the specialization of sport, there are the swim clubs that have two weeks off in August. That's it. Yeah. And, um, and it's swim, swim, swim. And it's the same thing for club soccer and club volleyball. I mean, it's even the same thing for club water polo to a certain extent now too. But I do believe in the high school realm and that, that, you know, water polo can help grow the numbers at the high school level for swim teams. Yeah. And there, there, there's no question about it. I think as a, the other thing is as an educator, there are really significant life lessons to be learned in sport, but you can't learn all of them in an individual sport. This is very true. And it's the same with a team sport. There are life lessons there, but you can't learn all of them in a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so I think from an educational point of view, you want to give your aquatics athletes a team sport exposure and an individual sport exposure. And then from a, you know, the high school competitive, yeah, if the kids are serious, always going to be club swimming. If the kids serious water polo, it's going to be club water polo. But at the high school level, you can do both. I mean, it's the beauty of Yes. Um, I mean, th- I would never have been a swimmer if I didn't, if water polo didn't get me to the pool. Yeah. 
And not that I was the greatest swimmer in the world. I was okay. You were pretty darn good. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but compared to everybody else that was that, that, that was around the same time, I, I was okay. And, uh, but like, you know, it was, it was one of those things where, I mean, I've always been probably more skewed towards water pole. Just, yeah. you know, the opportunities. Passion the day you showed up at the pool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think my brother and Mark Elliott had to teach me how to dive off a block and do a flip turn before I went to my first club swim practice. So, <laughs> and that was in, that was before I met coach Debbie Starr. So, and, yeah. uh, but so, I mean, it can grow. Um, we've, we've had so many success stories over like over the last 10 years of I've gone out and talked to coach into, into doing water polo. And they're like, I don't know. I go, it's going to grow your numbers. And it just brings a different type of athlete to the pool that can make great sprinters. And how do you win yeah. dual meets? And how do you win state sprinting and relays? Yeah. So it's not rocket at, science. At Elmo Heights, we, we, when we started out, we had a lot of kids that either got kicked off or dropped from the football team. They were big, strong guys with cannon arms. And they could, at that time, they could do a 25. But by the end of the season, they could do a 50. Exactly. <laughs> and, then after, and then after four years, they might be willing to do a 200. But yeah, yeah we'll see. But no, I mean, it's, I mean, yes, and that's, and I just see water polo being added to the UIL is just growing aquatics in general yep. and getting more people to the pool. There's a ton of multi-million dollar facilities that have been built around the state. Yep. Let's use yeah, it. We have and, more and they've been built by school districts. Facilities than anywhere in the world. Yeah. I mean, and let's, and yeah, and, yeah, and, let, and let's use them. And it's just getting, you know, I've had a lot of converts from oh, swimming, 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 and no water polo is going to mess up your stroke. Uh, it's different strokes. And no, you're not. a good swim coach. You're like, just teach the kid and they'll, they'll remember after a, a practice or two, you know, and uh, it's make them more coordinated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, but I mean, it's, uh, it's been great. So have you followed high school water polo or club water polo in Texas over, yeah, over the last 20 years? Obviously over the last 20 years, over the last, 10 since I've been out of it. I've sort of from arm's length. I've been, you know, just keep touch, keep aware of it, sort of know what's going on, but I haven't really followed it tightly. I've, I mean, I've but been it's, more frustrated at the politics of it. Of water polo or swimming? Um, both. Probably <laughs> both. Um, at times I felt like Tisca became an organization that was just a high school coaches job preservation organization rather than something that was really trying to, what is the best thing we can do for kids? Um, and I think anytime your organization or your own personal decisions is what, what's best for coaches, you, you've lost your way. It's always what's best for kids. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm the same way. If you just make a program and you communicate, you make sure that the kids understand and they know that you care, kids are going to come in droves. And that's going to be, you're paying it forward. You learn from a good coach. Otherwise you wouldn't be a good coach yourself. And so kind of do it for the right reasons. It's not about your personal glory or your names in the paper. It's about the kid being like the name in the paper and such. And you were, you were one of those coaches. Yeah. For me growing up, I would not be a coach now if it, yeah, if it wasn't for you. And I appreciate that. Now here there is, I mean, I talked about you being on board to ask a yeah, uh, USA swimming, Talk to us a little bit about the Texas Swimming and Diving and Water Polo um, Hall of Fame. Well, I think that's a place where, um, you know, Texas Water Polo or TX Water Polo could really make a difference. Um, Texas Swimming and Diving Hall of Fame is uh, now has a home at the University of Texas. And if you know the University of Texas politics, getting some outside organization to have a physical presence on their campus is brutal. Um, but They've approved it, adopted it, and we've been there for about 10 years. Um, and it's, it's all aquatic, swimming, diving, water polo, synchro. You know, it's, it's the, whole, the whole nut. Um, and obviously, it's a, we want to keep a pretty high standard because the swimming is a really high standard. Diving is a really high standard. Um, but a lot of it, water polo early on, maybe even till today, didn't have the same opportunities that exist in swimming. You know, as you know, there's hundreds of collegiate varsity swimming teams, and there's a couple of dozen collegiate varsity water polo teams. Um, and so the opportunities haven't always been equal, but we are really trying hard 
to get the right coaches recognized and the right players recognized from the, you know, the seventies till now. And obviously with the hall of fame, you want to bias towards the old guys, get them in while they're still alive. <laughs> um, and then let the young guys just sort of fill in underneath until they become the old guys. Um, but we are looking for nominations for coaches uh, and for players, uh, men, women, boys, girls, from the history of Texas water polo that we can get on the wall there at the University of Texas. I will help you with that. We are going to get some names and we're going to use the podcast to get the word out a little bit, to get some nominations. And um, I do I do appreciate the time, Coach. Hey, anytime. I, um, thank you for what you're doing. You're being the Johnny Appleseed of water polo. And, um, you know, everything needs an evangelist. And, you know, what do evangelists do? They give the same message over and over and over until you get sick of saying it. But people need to hear the same message. And you beat the bass drum, boom, to keep everybody in step. And, you know, you're playing that evangelist role in water polo. And, you know, I just sort of smile when I think about it because you were that kid when you were nine years old. I don't remember that exactly. I just remembered uh, just, I just wanted to do this or I, or I just wanted to pass the ball and, and play yeah, a little water polo. You wanted to get in there and get that water polo ball. As soon as you got near water, you were looking for the yellow ball. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just put a water polo ball at the end of my lane. I'm going to swim fast. So, yep. <laughs> but, um, and um, I do appreciate it, coach. I can't call you George really. It's still, yeah, it's, yeah, it's still coach block. Um, and I appreciate everything that you did i still appreciate everything that you currently do um i think i'm not making a secret i'm moving back down to san antonio i'm i'm gonna call you up i will buy you lunch and uh, was it we will have our social distancing of course you know and uh was it um (laughs) hopefully that'll be over by then (laughs) it's gonna be in a it's gonna be in like two three weeks so we will see but um looking forward to it it yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun thank you so much hey thanks joe good talking to you again Okay, that was the end of the conversation with George Block. Um, we're going to release that as its own uh, podcast special uh, coming up in the next few days, um, but this will be out uh, by t- tomorrow, Wednesday, more than likely. Um, and just a couple things to wrap up. We already talked about um, coaches to coaches in town hall, right? They're up next week. Next week. Next week. I'm actually heading up to your uh, neck of the woods this coming weekend. I want to go check out what Pegasus is doing uh, practice-wise. Might go find some other coaches to talk to as well, take some photos, and show people what's going on. So um, that's on the agenda as well. What do you got going on, if anything? Um, hopefully selling a house. Yeah. And uh, was it – um? There's just, you know, I'm trying to enjoy my weekends because I know we're going to get to a point where it's going to be every weekend's going to be something water pole soon. So. No. Oh, well, I can't wait for that kind of thing to happen. Who knows what form it's going to take? This might be a, co- a topic for conversation for next week. So uh, I'm fascinated by that. But anyway, um, all right. Thank you, Joe. You take care. To Thanks again to uh, George Block for taking some time to talk with Joe. And, of course, thanks to you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast. Go to TXWaterPolo.com where you can find this podcast. You can find our social media links. Um I was going to say leave comments, but we haven't gotten very many, which is fine. Uh, but feel free to do that or email us at pod at txwaterpolo.com. Um, and then obviously donation is a good cause as well because it's helping us uh, do stuff like um, travel to go um, interview people in Pegasus and so on. Um, and then generally stay up to, uh, to date with what's going on in the game. But until next week, so long from Austin. Production of TWP Sports LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.